Who knew this would happen? A magic potion could save my heart. Who knew that these feelings had a name? I'm worthy of change, same as you are. Mirror, mirror, don't you judge me? Don't you dare? Who knew I was? Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Transitional Wisdom Podcast. Uh, We are happy to have another guest on the show today, and his name is Tristan, and he'll be talking about his experiences with transition and thyroplasty and all those sorts of other fun things. So welcome him to the show. Uh, My name is Tristan Connor. I'm 30 years old. I live in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I've been on tea uh, like four and a half years now. and then, yeah. You've been on hormones for four and a half years. So that gives you a lot of time to sort of experience and reflect on quite a bit of things, quite, you know, no, a number of things. Sure. So with that time, what's, can you think of something that you wish you knew before you started hormones? Yeah, that's, God, that's a really great question. Um, skincare, very important. <laughs> oh man, especially like later on, like I started experiencing skin issues like six months ago because I started getting all this hair on my back. I didn't have any acne issues at the beginning. And then like, here I am like four years into it and I'm having really bad acne. And my dermatologist is like, this should have started from the beginning. And it's yeah, <laughs> right. from like thick back hair, which is really... Wow. So it's just, it's like very random because I think a lot of trans guys that I've heard of they experience it like immediately on tea. Um, but in reality, uh, I think it can happen like pretty much anywhere along the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you shared that. Yeah. Because yeah. I just, think it's a really I, random piece of information, but it like really distressed me. Cause I'm like, why did this happen earlier? Right. Um, well, I think we often get caught up in comparing ourselves to other people's, um, back hair, their journeys are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or their back hair. <laughs> and, I think, I think that's a really, that's really insightful because it's true. Like four and a half years, you're still, there's new changes for you. It doesn't, it doesn't just end after two or three, four years. Um, cool. (laughs) Um, I would Um, say like another thing too, I mean, I was kind of aware of it. I'm really lucky in Chicago. There's, um, the Howard Brown health center, which is like phenomenal. I mean, obviously they're great resources in California, but for the Midwest, especially, um, it's basically like an all encompassing center. So they have, it was Back when um, when I started testosterone, you had to be going to therapy for like months and months to get your um, to get your testosterone. You can literally come from out of state and book an appointment with a primary care provider and a therapist, and um, just get your first shot right there. Oh wow! Um, you can you can That's continue amazing. to use their services as long as you see them like every six months. Um, you get like special discounts if you don't have insurance. Like you just pay what you can. Um, so that was really great because before I was in um, Chicago, I just finished my master's in social work in Denver. 
And okay. um, at that point, they didn't have great resources. I think now they definitely have more, more surgeons and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, before I even left Denver, I already had an appointment set up at Harrow Brown. So within a month of being here, I was starting on tea. Um, so that was pretty cool. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, did you move to Chicago for like purposes of transitioning or was it because you finished? I did. School? Yeah. I knew I didn't want to um, stay in Colorado any longer. Um, I definitely, I growing up, I grew up in the DC area, like Northern Virginia. And I loved like okay. a little bit more of a um, urban vibe, but also where you can go and do stuff. And I feel like in Denver, Denver's great and Boulder's great, but other than that, there's not a lot there um, mm. for in regards to like cities and resources and stuff. Um, so I definitely wanted to be around like a, like a more of an area with more resources. And, um, at that time, again, hearing about Howard Brown, um, hearing about like, they have uh, great therapists here, like phenomenal trans therapists. Um, so mm-hmm. that was, I knew really important for me because I struggle with depression and anxiety and gender dysphoria. Um, yeah. And then I also, um, one of my professors basically hooked me up with an interview here. Because they have oh, awesome. um, mental health resources because I myself, obviously, am uh, in that right. field. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, along with – I was dating someone at the time, but um, we've long since broken up. But um, they were kind of that the, the, my final push. Like, hey, like these are the resources that I've heard of. Let me help you out. So oh, okay. it worked out really well. <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was a good lead in. Cause my next question is about your relationships. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of, you kind of opened it up for that. I mean, um, I do what I can. <laughs> yeah. So, so just to give you background, I know, you know, about me, I'm, you know, I have a partner and Cody. So Cody and I talk often about his experience going through surgery, yes. being single <laughs> versus my experience going through surgery, being in a relationship because I've been, I've been with my partner since before I transitioned. So she has gone through, you know, all three years of hormones and then all three years of surgery with me. Whereas, you know, Cody has a different experience. So we love to, you know, talk uh, between the two of us and kind of experience each other's sides a little bit. Um, so what, what is, and I don't know how long you've been with your partner, but, um, I know that you just got engaged, which is so exciting, but, um, (laughs) yeah, but how, so how long have you been with your partner? And, you know, if you want to share some of that experience, what it was like going through, you know, whatever surgeries you did go through with, with her. Yeah. So I came, I moved to Chicago with someone that I met at grad school. Um, and the, she was wonderful at really connecting me to resources, I was uh, very difficult to be with my first, as I'm sure all of us were, the first six months of testosterone, I was grumpy and I just, I shouldn't have been in a relationship um, really the first year I was on T. Um, so we ended up breaking up, but she really helped. At that point, um, uh, I, I had to pay out of pocket for my top surgery. So she did a lot of help fundraising. Um, and was really a great support for me in that way. Our relationship was really unhealthy, but she was a really phenomenal support for me in my transition. Um, that's great. So that was awesome. And then we broke up and I was single for a while. I was single for like a year and a half, I think. Um, and I wasn't, I was like very intentionally single because before I transitioned, I was like either always hooking up with somebody or dating someone. Um, and in retrospect, I think it was because I felt very insecure in my masculinity. And I think that by dating people that kind of made me feel better about myself and I was terrified to be alone. Um, <laughs> of course. So... I really took that time to like reflect upon myself and did a lot of like work, individual therapy and, um, 
and then, uh, you know, after I had top surgery, I did that by myself. Um, I was fortunate. I was with Dr. Garamoni in, um, Florida. He did a great job. Uh, but my, my, my then girlfriend was going to come with me, but then we broke up. And so one of my very close friends was basically like a sister, the one whose cats I'm trying to take care of, um, <laughs> trying to watch, <laughs> right. Uh, she actually was just like, I'll come with you. Like I'll go to Florida with you. Um, cool. it was really great because, uh, being a social worker, uh, it, you know, it's a great field to be in, to be trans because, um, especially because I do community mental health work that folks are generally really open-minded and really supportive. Um, so our HR started crying. He's, he's like, Oh, I'm so glad Trisha's going with you. He's like, you know what? She's not even going to use any work days. She's just going to take vacation. Like wow. the whole agency was behind at that point. We were a smaller organization. Um, so yeah, so she ended up going there and taking care of me. My parents were there for the, the latter half of it. Um, and then, then like a year later, again, I was still single. Um, I, well, I'm sorry. So I, I was on testosterone for a year, uh, like a year and a half. Then I had top surgery. Um, and then about six months later, that's when I started dating again. So it was about a year and a half since my, my previous relationship. Um, and I actually had really good experiences. Um, you know, I, I went on a bunch of dates, um, but then I actually met someone and she was really cool with me being trans. Um, you know, it's it being, I think also being in, a, in Chicago and a lot of folks are pretty, um, open-minded and, um, like they know their shit when it comes to gender and, um, sexual orientation. <laughs> so I feel very fortunate with that. Um, yeah. I had a lot of, uh, you know, interesting stories that I could tell you guys about, which I'll save for another time, but I ended up um, <laughs> d- dating her for a while. Um, so we were together for about a year, I think. And so she was there with me through my, um, through my hysterectomy. So I had a complete hysterectomy. I pretty much had like a cert, I was on testosterone for a year. And then since then I've had a surgery every year. That's kind of how I've divided it up in regards to like vacation time and sick time. So year one, I had, um, testosterone year, like year and a half into it. Then I had my top surgery. And then the following year I had my hysterectomy. So the girl I was dating then, Jamie, she was there for me for my hysterectomy. Okay. Um, we had a pretty volatile relationship. We'd broke up not long, not long after that, but it had nothing to do with my, um, my gender identity. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I had my hysterectomy and then, um, about eight months after Jamie and I broke up, that's when I met Becky, who is my now fiance. Um, she knew I was trans before I even met her. It was a little scandalous because we're both in the social work field and I used okay. to work with her ex-husband. Um, oh. <laughs> so it was, it was real. It was, and we worked together, Becky and I now we're working together and okay. I knew like within a week I was like, I'm going to marry her. Uh, but she, <laughs> oh. she, I mean, it was, it was, um, obviously she's phenomenal, but it was, it was hard. It was definitely a hard way to meet someone when they're yeah. also going through their own stuff. So, sure. um, so yeah, so I, I was with her, uh, and she was there for me throughout stage one of my phalloplasty. Um, okay. I had friends and family come, I was out and, and, uh, see Dr. Chen. I, he did stage one for me. Um, and then she took care of me when I came back and I had my urethral issues. Um, so she was awesome. We were able to, we were both working from home, so it was great. Like 
even now I have the same job. I work from home, so I can just like work in the hospital since I'm there very differently. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she she was really really there for me through my stage one, through my cystoscopy, my urethroplasty, um, and then this past year, uh, end of 2017 for stage two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's just been like a really loving and supportive partner, even like the other work relationships that didn't work out. I never felt dysphoric at all. Everyone was really respectful of me. That's really wonderful to have that. Um, <laughs> did you notice any major, um, differences between, um, how do I phrase this? Did you notice any major differences between the way that uh, you recovered from your hysterectomy with that partner versus the way you recovered from phalloplasty with a different partner. Um, yeah. Anything like that? Yeah. Um, when I was dating the woman I was dating for my his, for my hysterectomy, she was dealing with a lot of stuff on her own, and I think it was just too much for her. We did, we broke up not long after that. Um, so yeah, so that definitely I did not feel a lot of support from her for that um, for reasons that, that stuff that she was dealing with. Fortunately, I had my ex-roommate, my old roommate who came with me for my um, top surgery. So she was really, uh, really helpful. And I had other friends who were taking care of me. Um, so yeah, so that, that was, that was kind of rough um, because again, breaking up right after you have your internal organs. Right. Of you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but now, now with Becky, I mean, it's definitely the, by far the healthiest relationship I've been in. And, uh, we work a lot on each other. Like she goes to her therapist. I go to mine. We go to couples. I mean, we're pretty actively involved in checking in. And, um, I think that's made a huge difference because especially, uh, Nash, as I'm sure you're aware, I, uh, I've been, <laughs> I've had six surgeries, uh, in the last three months. Um, I just got my, uh, midline and my tube out of my pelvic area. So hopefully that'll be the last of it. But I mean, having a supportive partner and partner that can take care of themselves and then you take care of yourselves and you take care of each other together, mm-hmm. it definitely makes for um, a better situation when you're recovering from major surgery. Yeah. So that, yeah, I wanted, I was going to ask you to expand a little more if you could on that. Like, did you, do, do you notice a major difference between how you felt between these surgeries, you know, having somebody that you're describing as being very supportive and very caretaking and nurturing versus somebody who, not that she wasn't there for you, but that you had a little bit more of a rough relationship. Did you, yeah. for yourself, was there more of an emotional, um, I don't know, improvement <laughs> because, yeah. of, because of that? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, there's something really nice about being in, and I, I had never really been in a relationship like this before because of my own shit that I needed to work on. But, um, uh, you know, when you're in a, the relationship that I have with Becky, um, my now fiance, uh, I feel so comfortable with her and I feel so secure in our relationship that I wasn't, I wasn't, I knew that I couldn't like take care of her needs and that was okay. I didn't feel like she was going to leave me because I couldn't like do my part in the relationship, which is really yeah. great. Um, like as my therapist, I understand that. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Like my, my, my couple, our couple's therapist is like, sometimes, you know, you have two plants. Like you can, sometimes you're only watering your plant. Sometimes you're helping your partner water the other one. At, that, mm-hmm. at this point, last six months, I've just been like watering my own plant. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it's, I really like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a very good, like, <laughs> yeah. And it definitely applies like, you know, and she's, mm-hmm. she's, she's like, you know what? I'm watering my own plant. You don't need to worry about doing that. And I'll help you water yeah. yours. So I kind of yeah. feel like that's where we are right now. Um, there'll be times when I'm going to water her plant and she won't water mine. And, uh, 
Yeah. You know, I love um, that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, <laughs> I it's love a great that. visual too. Uh, it is, but she's definitely watered, watered her own and watered mine. And I haven't done much watering of hers until, like, you know, I'm going to be feeling better. I'm, I'm definitely starting to feel better. Um, but, uh, but I felt very secure in our relationship throughout that. And, uh, it's nice because she, if there are issues, she brings them up, um, mm-hmm. as do I. So it's, you know, when she says she's okay, she, she actually means she's okay. She's okay. So <laughs> that, that, that's nice. It's a change in a lot of my previous relationships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't really I, say I, what we meant. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to know what Cody's thinking. <laughs> I, I just would love to experience this. It's a magical relationship. <laughs> we're working on it. We're, we're going to find Cody someone. Oh, yeah. No. I'm, I'm now evaluating all of his future partners before he goes on a first date. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You need, you know, if your friends aren't cool with the person, it's a great way to just save yourself a lot of time. Oh, uh, yeah. That's definitely, I don't trust myself anymore. So. <laughs> hey, man. You know. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, the best thing that I can recommend, and I know that I'm coming from the same, but like therapy, like yeah, if you're not yeah. already in therapy, get your butt to therapy. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. It's therapy. so helpful. It's, it's, oh yeah. I mean, it's like, God, I mean, and, and, I'm there, and also it's so much of just chance. Like, I mean, it just so happened that she was working with me. I was going on a bunch of shitty things. Right. I mean, it just so happened. Right. You know what I mean? So if not, mm-hmm. I probably would still be going on shitty dates, but or maybe yeah. I would have found yeah. somebody, but a lot of it was just kind of like, she's at my work. I mean, how, how uh, convenient is that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. You found somebody at work. I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cody works from home. So yeah, I have dated someone from work before. Uh, that was probably like the least stressful one. So, I mean, at least, you know, okay. there's that. So <laughs> yeah. And I think that's pretty impressive when you, someone you work with and that's the least stressful relationship because obviously yeah uh, things go really bad i mean it's really a miracle that we pulled off what we pulled off uh but Mm -hmm. things would have could have easily gone terrible so i'm very lucky in in a number of of respects uh i don't really know like your story about your complications and all that so i was just wondering i was curious more of what was going on what complications you had and that sorts of thing yeah, sure. So um, I pretty much had complications with every one of my surgeries, even surgeries like prior to uh, transitioning. I didn't realize until after my hysterectomy that it was because I have a clotting disorder. Um, oh. I have, as I know you do too, Ash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we need to talk more about this later, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I have what's called von Willebrand's. Um, there's different factors that are in your blood, and I, I have a low factor eight, um, which basically means it takes a little longer for my blood to clot. Um, so in retrospect, that's why I've had issues with, um, complications with my surgery with top surgery. Um, I had excessive bleeding, like coming out of my nipple. I was terrified that my nipple was wow. fall off. Um, <laughs> miraculously it was okay. I had great follow-up, uh, follow-up care when I went back to Chicago. My primary care was like great. He prescribed me this cream and stuff, but, um, so that was my complication for, uh, top surgery. From a hysterectomy, I had excessive bleeding. Um, so bleeding out of my vagina. Uh, for like like a, like a shit ton of bleeding, um, wow. so that was terrifying. And that's when my hemat um, my obstetrician was like, "Hey, I actually see this all the time with cis women, and they don't realize that they have a clotting disorder until they've had a surgery or they had a baby." Um, oh, so wow. she she recommended that I see a hematologist, and that's where I discovered that I have von Willebrand's. And then my dad was like, "Oh yeah, your aunt has that." I'm like, "Okay, you know maybe we should start screening." <laughs> 
Maybe some of the uh, my wisdom teeth, <laughs> excessive bleeding, my knee surgery, excessive ble- like this signs. This is like yep. a good thing for we we should be looking for this more since this is clearly a genetic. Oh my god. Um. So yeah. So I had excessive bleeding with my uh, my hysterectomy, um, and then uh, that created a whole shitstorm of problems with stage one. Because Dr. Chen, I told him, I was like, I have one milligrams. I was like, it's just like, like, I think it's um, like, you need to have like, like a level 48 and I have like level like 36. So it's not like super low, but okay. um, when surgeons hear like, you have a bleeding problem, they're like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Chen's like, oh, it's fine. Like I look to your labs. You're good. You're good. And then the night before I was flying to San Francisco, he calls me on his cell and he's like, hey, uh, we're not going to be able to do radial forearm. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, uh, you have a new micro team and they're not cool with doing this. And I'm like, I'm literally packing my bags to fly to, to, to San Francisco tomorrow. He's like, yeah. He's like, Dr. Kine, the microsurgeon, he's going to call you and talk to you. So I fortunately had my friend over who uh, was finishing up med school. So I put it, I put him on the like speaker and um, Dr. Kine's like super nice guy. He's like, yeah, he's like, the risk is really bad because basically we're cutting blood vessels and reconnecting them to other blood vessels. And um, if your blood takes longer to clot, then we're going to have issues with that. And he's like, two, you know, if you have bleeding problems, we're going to need to use what's called DDAVP, which is basically what helps. It's like, um, it's a synthetic, it's synthetic um, thing that you can like put in your IV that will help your blood clot. But he said, you know, for ordinary surgeries, that's fine. Like for any of your other surgeries, you could use that. But for this surgery specifically, if we were to use that, your penis would clot off and die. Oh my God. And I'm like, uh, uh, and, and I was like, I don't want ALT. Like I was like, I, I have like thicker thighs. Like I, I, I'm, it's going to be a massive penis and I just don't <laughs> feel like going through liposuction. Like I've done, uh, really painful electrolysis for the last yeah. 18 months. I've spent like a grand on electrolysis. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So, um, he's, and so I, t- I called Dr. Chen again and he's like, you know what? Um, and oh, on top of this, my hematologist was like, I'm not going to sign off on you having surgery unless you ag- agree to have DDAVP. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. No. Okay. So I talked to Dr. Chen. Oh he's like, you know what? Let us hook you up with the hematologist that we work with in San Francisco. And pretty much what she says will goes. So he's like, uh, literally two hours after you land, you have an appointment with her at California oh Pacific Medical Center. That's crazy. I'm like, all right, all right. So I'm flying. As if I'm- as if surgery is not stressful enough, like to just throw all this your way like the day of your supposed surgery oh my god, it was, my like, god. i didn't even tell You're a lot a of people it was it was just uh, yeah. literally a worst nightmare situation so i got off god. the plane took an uber went to the wrong california pacific medical center and have this like huge like huge luggage that i'm just dragging like a month you know maybe it's like, california for a month uh and so I, I go to the right place this woman is amazing dr baylor she's fucking amazing um she sees me and she looks she's like do you have your labs and i was like uh, yeah, I gave them to Dr. Chen, but I happen to have these as well. She's like, oh, good. Okay, because I don't have Dr. Chen. So I was like, well, I'm glad I have them. So she looks at them for like 30 seconds. She's like, oh, yeah, you're fine. She's like, you're fine. I'll, I'll call the micro team when you leave. You're, you're fine. She's like, whatever I say. Nice. She's like, you're, it's just a little low. You'll be fine. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. She's like, seriously, don't worry about it. I was like, okay. So then my, fl- my parents fly in that night, and I haven't told them anything. And then I tell them, they're like, well, if they don't, if Dr. Chen says no, 
what are you going to do? I was like, well, I'm going to leave here with the penis, even if it's ALT. Like, I'm leaving here with a penis. So, like, okay. Um, but I didn't hear for sure, the fa- like, whether or not I was going to have radial forearm until my pre-op appointment with Dr. Chen. I was, like, going in there. I'm, like, sweating. There's other people, like, in the office. And I, like, look at my paperwork, and it said radial forearm surgery. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm having it. So I go in to see Dr. Chen. He's like, oh, yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Ready for surgery tomorrow? Oh. And I was like, Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. That you're sounds like, you're like, now that I know I'm having it, yeah, I'm ready. Oh god. He's like, Oh, oh yeah, my god. sure, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. So um so fortunately, you know, I went in uh, the next morning, had the surgery. As soon as I woke up, like first thing I was like looking at my stepmom was like, She's like, You had radio forearm and they didn't need to use DDAVP and they were able to get your glands. I was like, Okay, and I just passed out. Um, oh my god. <laughs> So, yeah. So miraculously, like, in retrospect, like, stage one was not really that bad. Like, things healed really well. It wasn't until I went home to Chicago um, that I was having trouble urinating, and then all of a sudden mm. I just couldn't pee. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, I went to the ER a couple times because I literally couldn't pee. And then it was always, like, right before they were going to try to put in a super pubic catheter that... I just started peeing. It was just like I sat on something and just I pretty much just peed my pants. So there was just peeing. was it getting was it getting stuck in where your perineum is, like where the vaginectomy was done? Yeah, it, it stuck where the um, the old urethra meets the new urethra. So okay, that's I think that's where most. So yeah, right. So yeah. could you, if you touched back there, were you able to feel it? Feel like the bulge? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you. So yours is pretty much exactly what was happening to me. Yes. Whereas Cody's structure was way different. Yeah. Oh really? I don't. It was in the same spot though, but I didn't really have the uh, bulge feeling. Not that I was aware of. He, <laughs> at least he didn't know that he had a stricture. No. Like he didn't know until <laughs> Doctor Chen. What? Wait. Tell you. Tell him what happened. Okay. So <laughs> like. Okay. So like I knew, but I didn't. Like I was like maybe I do because I could still like I still had a stream. Uh, but, you know, it was getting so painful and like I couldn't empty my bladder. I was going to the bathroom like every 10 minutes. But then I get to surgery where I'm getting my glands done. And then also it was supposed to be like stricture repair. But Dr. Chen was saying that he was going to have to cut my the tip of my penis in order to get the scope down there. And so then I was just like, no, <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Like I can't, I think that's worse. And then it, like I fought him hard enough or he was like, okay, uh, so tell me how, how you're peeing. Like what, what's going on? And I was just like, well, uh, you know, sometimes I can't pee when I get up in the morning. I have to wait a little bit and then like I can, but I still have a stream. And he's like, okay, well, uh, does it, how long does it take you to pee? Like, is it under five minutes and I was like oh yeah totally and then he's like all right you know what maybe you don't have a stricture we're just gonna do glance today and so I was like okay and like the next day <laughs> it got like so much worse um that Probably I swelling. yeah <laughs> and I could I was like oh my god I was home alone too because my parents like left on vacation after that yeah and I was just like oh my gosh I don't even know uh, like what I so I emailed Dr. Chen and he was concerned enough to call me. <laughs> and then he was just wow. like, Um, are you do you feel comfortable like dilating? And I was just like, What? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so then I had to like keep updating him until my first post op appointment for my glands plasty. He asked me, So how are you peeing? And I was like, 
not so good. And then he's like, okay, so he tried to dilate me with in the office with the uh, what's it called the the stylet the stylet, and so he stuck you know the the average size whatever size that is couldn't get it through and then he tested all of his stylets until he went down to the tiniest one and he couldn't even <laughs> dilate with that and then he was just like kind of doing a little like chen pace like trying to figure out like what he's gonna do <laughs> and then he was just like okay that, <laughs> he's like all right so huh and he kind of was like going over his options and then he was just like you need urethroplasty and uh, I'm afraid you're going to end up in the ER and you're not going to be able to pee. And so he's like, you're going to need surgery. And since he couldn't dilate me, I couldn't like wait to have surgery at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was right between his transition between like oh, Brownstein crane. And yeah, so it was like, okay, so surgery is happening today. <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> so my post-op appointment turned into, like, surgery. <laughs> oh, my God. So crazy. Yeah. Which, just for comparison, when my last, like, my, when I went to him in November, before he determined I needed a second erythroplasty, I could, be, I was in so much pain. I could barely sit. I could barely, like, move. I was in so much pain. And he could get the 10 in, but barely. So knowing that Cody couldn't even get the 10 in, <laughs> like, I can't understand if Cody's numb to pain or if he's just like literally the most physically strong person like to be able to deal with it. Because I couldn't, I was like, please just put me out of my misery right this second. I just, like, <laughs> I didn't know what was normal. I did, I thought it was in my mind. Like I'd had so much anxiety throughout this whole thing that I thought I was just imagining it. Like for real. So it crazy. was, uh, I think... I didn't even realize, like, when I woke up from surgery, the first thing I said was, holy shit, my bladder is empty. Like, this whole time, I haven't had an empty bladder, and, like, I couldn't even... It's the worst feeling. (laughs) (laughs) That is just insane. Because, like, yeah, I mean, and yeah, I think it's just one of those things where, like, probably because it was happening as soon as you were post-op, you're like, oh, well, this is the new normal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. Like it's just always gonna pee. it's gonna be painful to pee. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm like, uh, no. When is like, can we do surgery right this second? I don't want yeah. any of this pain. <laughs> uh, I, and I feel like this happens like so frequently, especially being on like the fallow boards and stuff. I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, extending your urethra is like insane that they can even do that. But God. Yeah, I know. It's it. If it makes me sad that um, I don't know. I mean, I know I certainly didn't realize how common these things are, or not like Cody and I've talked about. Not for a second did I think that you know five months of my life could be sticking a tube down my new you know genitals and <laughs> ripping apart scar tissue just to be able to get urine out. Like never imagined that that was going to be something that I had to experience. I didn't even know it was an option. Like I thought it was you know if something goes wrong. Y- okay, you have surgery and get it fixed. <laughs> you know, I thought it was a more immediate type of let's handle this. Not, you know, we need three months in between oh, these surgeries. And, you know, I just, ha- I just had no idea. I had no idea. And I know now I feel so stupid even admitting that, knowing what I do know about the surgeries. But that's, I think, I know for me, that was like my driving force of Cody and I need to do this podcast or do something. Yeah. Because there's too many people that don't realize... You know, it's no one's fault. It's just we're not really told how how 
much this happens or what you know what to expect because there's just not enough information yeah there's no like there's not really any information describing the length of recovery time or possible recovery time but i also think you know uh, for someone like me there's a certain amount of like allowable ignorance that is good because (laughs) i don't know that if i knew these things like how much more confident i would be to going into this like because i'm so glad i did but like I'm already someone who's like worst case scenario. So I like tried to stay off the message boards as like much as I could yeah. and everything. So I don't know. That was good for That was definitely helpful for you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I want to know, like we talked about last time, I want to know everything that can happen because it helps me mentally to know, you know, if I know all the options yeah. of what can happen, yeah. then I can prepare I'm for more, all the yeah, options, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I had a, like, <laughs> yeah. from what I understand, it was like, you had to get fistulas or you get strictures. And I was expecting to get a fistula. I didn't get any, thankfully, but I had two strictures because mm-hmm. I had one near the tip of my penis too, which I'm still dealing with. I mean, it's not, it doesn't hurt the stream or anything, but it's like still there. Um, but yeah, I mean like that, you know, <laughs> my first shit after, uh, after being in the hospital for a week, that, that was the most painful thing in my life. <laughs> Like, it literally felt like there were giant shards of glass that were coming <laughs> out of my yes. ass. Yes. <laughs> oh, my we God. Like no, I, I, like, I was like, oh, my God. Because, like, and, and then I think, like, the day after that happened, this guy posted, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, to prevent that, just uh, use an enema. Like, just use yeah. that, and then you're fine. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I would totally, I had two enemas in my backpack. Like, <laughs> so that, that that's what I thought was the most, it was basically, like, dry heating. <laughs> right. From so right, yeah. It, I mean, it was... It, I had I was bleeding everywhere. You know, you guys know the stitches literally like go to your yes. Ankle. So there's like I'm like there's blood. I'm like scared. Yeah. I'm gonna rip on did you rip it? And I'm like screaming. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. And I and I oh yeah, and I had a uh, hemorrhoid, oh, God. Uh, hemorrhoid from all of it. So that was blood from that too. So I was just like that was the worst day of my life. Yeah. Little did I know, uh, a month and a half later, oh. going to the ER uh, and like literally, I just kept drinking water because I thought I had an issue like I couldn't mm-hmm. drink. So I just kept drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And then I was trying to push it out and I literally felt my body pull it back in. Oh no. And I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I called Chan and he said, go to the hospital right now. Go to the hospital right now. And then like I sat down on the wheelchair and then I just exploded. Like I just had piss all over. Yep. So thankfully, I mean, but that that's when I was like, oh no, this this is actually <laughs> the worst. This is the worst pain I've ever experienced. Yeah. So I'm like yelling at my then girlfriend oh, you know, before we were uh, engaged. I was like, Becky, go faster, go faster. She's like, I'm going five miles above the speed. <laughs> I was like, okay, check it, get go. Like screaming at her. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. just like my best self. It was but terrible. that's like I'm I'm glad that you said that because I've had those kinds of experiences too of just like you know I'm not somebody who yells I'm not some you know oh. especially not at my partner at least I mean I yell when it's warranted but I'm not somebody who argues in that type of way you know with this relationship I've grown a lot so that's not part of me and when those things happen it's all it's all you can do is just scream and it's like oh, you know yeah. of course it's her fault she's not driving fast enough like. If she drove faster, this wouldn't be a problem. Like, of course, that's how we feel. Right? It's all her fault. Exactly. But, you know, I think it's it's nice to then take a step back afterwards and be like, yeah, okay. It's, this really sucked, but, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that happened, I think, like three different mm-hmm. times. Like, I think there was three times I went to the hospital. Similar to you. It's like they had to wait a little bit longer because I was so close to being postponed. Right. Uh, and that's when I connected to Dr. Kojancic, who's like the urologist here in Chicago who does all this stuff. 
And like for my first, so he's like, yeah, we're gonna like see what's going on because he like felt the bulge, the bulge underneath. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, we'll do a cystoscopy. And then uh, I woke up and the cystoscopy is like, yeah, we couldn't get the needle through your. Structure. Oh no! So we're gonna need to do urethroplasty, uh, and then he got me in like two weeks later. Oh, that's um, great! But then, so so, and the urethroplasty went went great. Like I haven't had any issues, you know, especially during master experience. Yeah. Um, but I haven't had any issues with my urethra. But what happened again uh, for my bleeding disorder uh, is the area in my cheek. It there was a huge clot, and so I kept bleeding. Oh no! For like three days, I was like spitting blood into like this huge like water bottle and then finally i was like you know what i need to go to the er like this isn't stopping oh my god so i was literally like spitting like like i had so many clots coming out of my mouth like i have a photo of it it was lit- it literally looked like it was my tongue but it was clot oh god so the er room looked like a scene from like friday the 13th. yes so i needed, like i had to suction out the clots and then there's a huge one so i had to pull it out of my cheek and i mean it was you know there's not that much tissue in there but it, i mean it wasn't to the point where i was piercing my my skin but it was deep and so the the er guys were like oh god he's like they're like i you know i think we're gonna have to like connect him to some kind of like facial yeah or something. i was just actively bleeding <sighs> and at this point i hadn't really had anything to drink in like two days because like everything tastes like oh bread. no <laughs> miraculously i hadn't like vomited so i and then they're like no you can't need to drink anything they ended up putting this like chemical on it. I can't remember the name of it. And then like I was like I think I was in the ER for like twenty three hours, and I woke up the next morning and it had stopped bleeding. Oh my god! Um, miraculously, uh, but they're like, you know what? Like you just need to take it easy. So I actually walked. I had, like blood all over my shirt. My girlfriend had gone home and gone to bed, and I walked to like this local restaurant, like blood, like blood everywhere, and like, like the people that were like, oh my god! I was like, I haven't eaten three days, or like bringing out food and drinks and. <laughs> Oh my the God. fact that you weren't arrested <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> well, because it was so close to the hospital, they were just like, "Oh God!" Like, oh my God! What's up? But yeah, that was that was a pretty that was a pretty well. That's uh, wild. But you know, none of that compares to stage two. Yeah, oh, God. yeah, it makes it all. Look do easy. you want to do you want to share your stage two experience? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as I think most of the trans community, the trans male community, uh, it's like, oh, you get through stage one. Like you're 90% there. It is the opposite, <laughs> at least in my personal experience. And it sounds like a lot of people just don't talk about it, but it's like pretty common. So I ended up uh, having stage two here in Chicago because they do the same thing here. And I was like, all right, that'd be great if I can just heal here. Uh, so I got, um, I did the, uh, the pump because they said because of my urethral issues that my, my, um, my uh, urologist is like, he's like, I will not let you do this on my rich abroad. He's like, if you have any urethral issues, you shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, that's fine. Um, so he's like, yeah, I'll do the pump. No problem. You'll be good. You'll, he's like, you'll be solid. Don't mm-hmm. worry. This isn't a big deal. Uh, so I went in for the surgery and I woke up and everything felt fine. Um, and then I was discharged. And, uh, like two days later I had an itch in my scrotum. Uh, like obviously they're like ripping your scrotum open and there's hair coming out. So I itched it and I accidentally itched a couple of my sutures and it was open and I didn't know that. Uh, so for about a week, I just had a lot of pain in my scrotum and, uh, I ended up going into going to see post-op and my, uh, my, um, my urologist was like, Oh, he's like, that's fine. It's just, it's scabbing over. It's not a big deal. I was like, all right. He's like, but you look good. You look good. And then, like, two days after I saw him, I uh, had, like, this huge uh, swelling uh, on, on, like, my pubic bone. And 
Becky was like, you know, he's like, she's like, you know what, we need to go to the ER. So I sent photos to my plastic surgeon and he's like, yeah, you need to go to the ER right now. We'll meet you there. Um, and he's like, so when we got there, he's like, yeah, you have a hematoma. He's like, when's the last time you ate something? And I was like, uh, like four hours ago. He's like, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to figure something out, but we need to put you under right now. Oh my God. So that's, yeah. And, uh, he's like, here's some medication to like help you to keep from like regurgitating from the, um, from the medication that we're going to be using, blah, 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 blah. He's like, you know, he's like, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. We're going to try to save your flap. We're going to try to save everything. But he's like, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I was like in the early stages of sepsis. Oh my God. So if it had been like a couple of days later, I could have like died. Um, so I woke up and they were like, yeah, you threw up, but it didn't get in your lungs. So that was good. Uh, we did take out your scrotal implant though, because apparently those those sutures that were open, uh, you were just letting shit in like all week. Oh my God. Um, so you have like a large colony of yeast, like yeast naturally grows in like your scrotum and whether your sister or whatever. But it's like, yeah, it's like taken over. So they took out the, like the implant, um, not the pump, but like the scrotal implant. We're like, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, you're like really lucky. I'm like, all right. Uh, okay. So I'm out of the hospital for like a week, I think. And then, um, I started having, God, it's like hard to remember all of these complications. Uh, I think the first one, what after that was, um, God, I'm trying to remember. Um, so I had a hematoma, and then I had, um, sorry, the hematoma. I think I think the next one was, um, I had to. Oh, this is it. Uh, so I proposed to my fiance, and I was having uh, issues with on my uh, my pubic bone. There was a tube. And I kept asking, I was like, my urologist, I'm like, this doesn't feel good. Like, this is like a tube on my, my bone. And it's like literally like a, the bone, a tube, and then my skin. Oh. He's like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. He's like, no, but he's like, you're, you're good to go. Like, don't worry. He's like, it, it is a tube there. But he's like, you should be fine. Uh, and then he's like, you can have sex. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I proposed to my girlfriend. And, then, you know, we had actual, like, like you know, sex, sex using the pump. And, uh, and not to be too explicit, <laughs> no, yeah. but she was like writing me and I was like dying in pain. And she's like, you aren't enjoying this, are you? I was like, no, it's okay. It's oh okay. my God. We're okay. We're good. And so uh, after that, uh, there was a lot of swelling in the area where the tube was. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, you need to send these photos oh to, my God. to your plastic surgeon. <laughs> so post on uh, Friday, on Monday, I had surgery. <laughs> I know. Uh, I can't oh my that. gosh! And so they're like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "You know, we need to put that tube like underneath." I was like, "You think? Yeah, we need to, we need to put that tube like underneath because it's like he's like my plastic surgeon was oh, like, yeah, it's basically breaking the skin." He's like, "It's almost breaking the skin." So I was like, "Okay, all right." My urologist like he's like, "Yeah, we'll just bury the tube. It's fine." I should have done that to begin with. I was like, "All right, okay, whatever." So I wake up and he buried the tube. Everything felt really good. Um, and uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, you're good to go. Um, you should be fine. <sighs> then what was my next surgery? It's been like every two weeks about, and I'm right at that mark right now. So I'm like really hoping. Um, so then the next surgery was, oh, right. My penis got super swollen and I was like three times the size it really should have been. Um, and so I went in again for emergency surgery and they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to probably have to take this out. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. I was like, that's just take it out. Like I've, I've been on like antibiotics. 
been on the antifungal medication. For like yeah. Months, really hard on your liver. And like every time I shit, it's just like diarrhea. Um, so they're like, I was like, you know, just, just take it out. Like, we'll, we'll try this again or maybe not. Um, so they ended up taking it out and they're like, okay, it's good. Cause like when we opened you up, like there was, um, bacteria that was attacking the penile implant. I think that no matter how much, um, antibiotics you would have been on because of the exposure that happened when you ripped the sutures, this never would have died. I mean, literally you just had to take it out, heal, and then put it back in. And so I was like, all right. He's like, you know what? I was like, and I remember Nash, I remember talking yeah. about this. I was like, you know what? I'm at peace with this. Like I, uh, I actually, in retrospect, like I don't actually think I want an implant in my penis. Like I, I'm very big on my scrotum. Like I want two scrotum implants, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to use the elater. And I think I'm, I actually felt more dysphoric with it in me, like with the, Interesting. Me, which I know is probably like really rare, but just for me. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what, that, that's fine. Just, just take it out. You know, I, I feel very comfortable with this. And my, um, and Dr. Kojancic was like, the urologist was like, you know what? Like, he's like, you know, we put two, two, like two implants in your penis. You should put one in, not two. He's like, your penis was thick enough that we could put two in. And that's why there was two on my bone. And so he was thinking like, if you, you know, you put two of the implants in, you have a thicker, harder penis, like blah, 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 blah. But I think that like, that was the reason I had that extra tube on (laughs) my pubic bone. So I was like, just get this shit out of me. So I thought I was in the clear. They're like, you know what? This is great. Everything was attacking the the implants. So now that it's out, you shouldn't have any issues. Of course, a week later, my penis gets huge again. Um, And this is something that I think you're going to start hearing from trans guys who end up getting their shit out. When, as I'm sure y'all know, like they have to, well, if you have the, the, um, not the, um, not the semi rigid rod, but the other one, if you, if you have the pump, they have to like screw into your bone to get the, <laughs> the pump to like be positioned onto your pubic bone. So when you take that out, there's like this space that should be, you know, the, the tissue should grow back together, but a lot of times it doesn't, as again, like I'm hearing from other guys who are talking about this. Um, so what happened was that that area where the pump used to be was filling with fluid, um, which was making everything swollen. So, so then I went back in, um, and that was my most recent surgery, I think, uh, like two weeks ago. And they, um, used a suction to get all the fluid out. There wasn't any, like, there weren't any, like, uh, any infections or anything, but they then put a tube in my, like coming out of my, um, pubic bone, pubic area to help like the same stuff you get when you have top surgery and you have those like, Oh, those, the drains, like little grenades. Yeah. Uh, to, to suction everything and suction it for like two weeks. So, um, on Monday I just got that drain out and my plastic surgeon was like, you know, everything looks good. Um, I think you should be good to go. But if your penis starts swelling again, uh, we're going to need to take tissue from your thigh to put into that space. <laughs> it's apparently a very common thing. Like if you have like a car accident or something, it's like a tendon or a muscle that like is pretty much only used for like people who are dancers or ballerinas. It's like a, it's a, it's a tissue that most people aren't using. So like, you know, so don't worry, you know, if, if your penis swells again, we're just going to take out that area of your okay. body and fill it in your empty cavity on your pelvic bone. But it's like, you know, we're, we're pretty sure that's not This is happen. crazy. Um, so I was like, all right. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Uh, also I have a dent 
like above my penis, like like the scar from where they had to do all this shit. And it's like a dent. So it looks basically as like this flat area, the um the area where they made the incision, and then like okay. my pubic fat. Uh, which before would be able to run down and it like I didn't have an area an issue with that area, but now because there's like this like cut, it basically looks like I have like fat and then it's, oh, it's, it looks bizarre. But but then, but then my surgeon's like he's like, you know what, it's fine, like eventually you'll be able to massage it and then it'll go down. But when your pubic hair grows back, it makes you look like you have a penis that's about an inch longer. And it does. It actually like creates like this like it makes it, it's like a it like makes it look higher. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right. Since that's I, a, since yeah, I that, that, that's like, a nice little uh, <laughs> whatever. Because otherwise, because if you if you didn't think about that, it looks weird. But when my my hair grows back, it really it's like an optical illusion. You got to try to find so, the small positive to focus on, right? Oh my God, it's the I only like, way. This wasn't all for nothing. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I got an extra so, inch. Yeah, then, <laughs> right. So, and then today, um, I had in my arm, I had a, um, I was giving myself, uh, antibiotics every day, uh, because I guess orals wouldn't have been strong enough. So, um, I got my, it's called a midline, you have like a midline and then that goes up to your arm and then, um, a, uh, what is it? The one that goes to your heart. The pick line. Uh, yep. pick line. So I had the, the midline, uh, which had to be removed, uh, last week, um, because it wasn't working anymore. I had to go to the ER for that. So I got another one put in, and then it was just taken out of some infectious disease doctor today. So in all, in theory, I should be fine. All tubes are out of the okay. I'm healing. Um, but it is possible that in about a week, I'll know. If my penis isn't exploding in a week, I should be fine. But if over this next couple of days oh it gets huge again, then that's when they're going to have to go in and get the tissue out of my leg. And what, is that a huge, sur- I mean, it sounds like a major surgery. Is that a major surgery? It's not. They said it's like pretty small tissue, but it means I'm going back in. Of course. Like, so. Yeah, I mean, sur- surgery's oh, not fun no matter what. No, but, but. But, yeah, no, I mean, like I ripped my quad before and that's like a, like a thing, but this apparently wouldn't be a big, big deal. So, so now um, they're like, you want to like wait six months. We'll try this again. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's like, I'm just going to get this. I'm going to put the things in my like, <laughs> empty scrotal sack and uh, yeah. that'll be it. So yeah. When, when will they do that again for you? Uh, so they said at least six months. Um, okay. So because of all of this, I've met my out-of-pocket max. So I'm like, as long as you can get this in 2018, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. You, with the, um, with the scrotal implants, um, do those, do you know, do those have any, hold on, I'm not phrasing this right. With getting the scrotal implants, can you, put your urethra in any danger the same way that you can with getting the ED implants. No, it's its own tissue. It's just like that hanging tissue. Apparently it's like really easy. It's, uh, they said it's like, basically it's 30 minutes per ball. So if you were just getting your, cause I I know Nash, I think that's what you're thinking about. Like if you're, if if you're just getting that provided you don't rip your sutures open and expose Mm -hmm. it, um, it's literally like a one hour surgery. So when Cody gets his done this year, mm. we're going to all uh, – Tristan, we're going to have to get a whole team together to make sure Cody does not go to the gym <laughs> and he stays in bed for the right amount oh of time. God, I <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I mean literally I just, looking uh, at pictures in retrospect, I, I can see my implant from the – Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Yeah. You don't, no. And it's so hard to – again, this talk about something that I wish I'd known. Yeah. 
you're, they're going to shave your ball sack and then you're, they're going to put sutures in and then you're going to be healing with your hair growing back on your balls with sutures. Don't itch. Don't itch. Takes whatever you need to take. But like yeah. that, because my balls were just itching so badly. Is that a different feeling than with the urethroplasty when they cut the top and they shave everything? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I feel like there's so much going on with stage one, at least for me. I was just like numb to all of it. I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, even though they cut you open for the when they put in the balls and the pump, I still had complete sensation. Uh, so again, you know, probably different for every person, but like it literally just felt like there were ingrown hairs that were just come crawling all over my balls. So definitely, yeah, that's definitely something. Just don't itch, don't touch that area unless you're cleaning. Because <laughs> and, and I didn't even itch very hard, but I ripped like three yeah. sutures. I mean, it was like a hole like oh, this man. big. Yes. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned sensation. Do you have full sensation from the tip to the base? I never lost it. You did. A lot of people, I think, lose it. But uh, like my uh, when my the last time I was in the ER, when my penis was like gargantuan, my um my one of my plastic surgeons he like poked the tip and it literally felt like you were stabbing a needle into the tip of my penis um so in certain ways okay. he's like great you have sensation i was like great don't touch my penis <laughs> like, <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so yeah i've been he's like wow you have really great sensation so i'm guessing that other people um you know like because of all the stuff that you're doing to your nerves they're getting right and then rejoining but uh, maybe that was the one silver lining of this experience is that both in my scrotum and right. my entire penis, I, I haven't lost any sensation. That's amazing. So I have not, I don't, I don't know if this is because I've had so many surgeries in a year, but I don't have full sensation by any well, that means. Makes sense. I have like at the tip, I have at the tip, kind of what you were describing. If you touch the tip, it's like you feel a very sharp kind of uncomfortable feeling and then i have sensation at the base but i don't really have you know certain spots if you touch i have a little bit of tactile but not i would say very little i, I have very little sensation in my mind so it's nice to hear <laughs> that you do have yeah. sensation and it will you know hopefully continue i mean dr chen was confident that it's because of just the trauma oh, of yeah. like you know, every, every month, basically I have had something happen. So he feels it's just the trauma, but it's good to hear that, you know, there, there is oh, more yeah. hope. And when I had the, um, <laughs> cystos, not the cystoscopy, but when I had the urethroplasty, that affected my nerves. That did. Okay. Um, but they grew back. I mean, cause I had my cystos, my urethroplasty was like in like a year ago. Um, that would say within a couple months for me, this condition okay. came back. So I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. Which makes sense as to why I haven't gotten it back because it's like every few months I'm still same same place so yeah yeah <laughs> makes a little more sense <laughs> yeah it's a lot um <laughs> um out of all the surgeries so far well let's keep it to like the not including complications uh but out of like top surgery histo fallow like what was the most painful for you um fallow yeah because i mean you just have every part of your body you have your hand you have your arm you have your leg you have your genitals i mean it's just and there's just so much going on because you're like trying to heal you're trying to connect to an occupational therapist for your hand you're like your leg itches you're trying to go to the bathroom and you are crying out of pain and i mean it's just like it's just <laughs> and it makes sense i mean it's like they're creating a new organ for god's sakes but like i mean the case management alone for yourself for follow is just insane um and also like you like with top surgery like 
within a week or 10 days, you're like, oh my God, I have this great chest. Hysterectomy, you're like, thank God that shit's out of me. But then fallow, you're like, I have this like bloody mess for months. Like I can't feel anything. I can't pee. I mean, it's just, you just, you have to know that. I mean, like my therapist was like, yeah, I'd say since November, November of last year, your life has been a mess medically. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's yes. Because once I healed from stage one, then I had this, this cystoscopy. Then I had the glansplasty. Then I get needed to get a uh, it's some issue with my skin. I had to get something removed. And then I had you know like the you know the implant put in. So it's just back to back. Yeah, and I think that's how it is for a lot of folks too. Especially now that glands is pretty much. I think Chen was saying he doesn't even want to do glands anymore with stage one. So you're already like that's already another surgery, which is fine. Yeah, it's a smart idea. I had to get mine redone, but you're you're in it for like a two year haul basically. Yeah, it's like a new relationship. Um, <laughs> one you're not sure that you always want to be in, I think. <laughs> um, but yes, with the glansplasty, he, I know for me, you know, he would, he didn't do my glansplasty in stage one. I had to do mine separately also. Um, which, of course, at the time I was very devastated about and, you know, was not happy with and stuff. But looking back, I'm really glad that he, you know, made that decision for me because mine have not flattened at all. Mm-hmm. Minor, you know, they, I love, I like, honestly, if there's one amazing, like positive that has come out of all of this is that I love the way that it looks. I think it's exactly how I explained I wanted it to look and hoped for it to look. And he did exactly that. And so that's like my one <laughs> good thing, you know, you <laughs> besides that. having, but besides having the surgery, but that's like my one good thing is, you know, my glands came out exactly what I wanted. So, oh <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, having a good <laughs> glance. I mean, my half of mine like died while I was even like in the hospital. It was like black, oh, and wow. I was like going through like trauma. I was like, "What is happening with my penis?" He's like, "Oh, it's just partial necrosis." I'm like, I look up necrosis. Like, this is not okay. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's, it's just, fine. It's, it's, it's only fine. half dead. It's just, it's just half oh, dead. No big deal. God. And that was the thing. It was like the entire right half of my glands just died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but I ended up uh, being able to get it done here and, you know, they did a great job and it was outpatient, and, you know, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very traumatic at the time. I'm like, what else is going to die? You know, right. and, uh, it's, yeah. I imagine that doesn't set you up feeling like overly positive right away. <laughs> <laughs> I think for anyone that's like going to get glands done, they should know, you know, because don't be devastated. Because it's the, it's the one surgery you are not going to be in pain with. Like, just yes. enjoy the ride. Like, take the nap. Take the, like, anesthesia and yeah, just the, go with the, it. the week or two off work or whatever it is, you know, just enjoy a little vacation. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the yeah. one. It's funny because that's the one where you're just like, oh, if you have to redo it, all right. No, not the end of the world, you know. It's so yeah. kind of easy to deal yeah. with. But It's entirely cosmetic. I mean. Uh, totally. And it, it's going to, and no matter what, even if you're like semi-happy with it if you Mm. get it done again it's gonna even look better it's like it's like a win-win kind of surgery like yes it's it's like a (laughs) tune-up exactly (laughs) (laughs) nice little little oil change for your people exactly (laughs) you just got some new (laughs) eyeshadow or something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's so refreshing talking to other people about my penis yeah i know i know i know (laughs) like i love I love being able to have like Cody or, you know, now that we're talking to other people, it's so nice to be able to connect, you know, not that I wish complications upon anyone, but it's nice to know that there are other people who are not having a perfect recovery. Um, you know, I mean, I pretty much, I mean, I feel like if you had like you mentally, 
if you're going for fallow, you have to assume you're going to have some kind of complication. Totally. Like, just, just assume. Assume you yeah. are. Because if, yeah, I mean, just be prepared for it. But yeah. I mean, be prepared for it. Like I said, if you're, if you're just doing stage one, a year's journey. If you're doing stage two, two year, like two year. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. You know what's the craziest thing, though? Like, the people that had the surgery around the time that I had it, like, the people I surrounded myself with, or what you could say, or I was in contact with, they all were complication-free. All of them. Oh, my God. Not a single person yeah. had a complication. Like, yeah, just And so, like, yeah, yeah it was just Nash. I mean, because yeah. I have not heard of, like, anyone <laughs> who's had no complications. I felt like something was yeah. wrong with me. I was just like, why the hell? <laughs> and, it, and maybe they had something that was resolved early on or something. Like, yeah. yeah. And maybe yeah. like, hey, they have a flattened glands and they're fine with it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I so. know one. Like, there's one kid I know who <laughs> he's had six erythroplasties, and he is at a point now where he still is not being able to pee completely normally. Like, he can't empty in one, you know, one swoop, but he's like 75% better than before the sixth erythroplasty. So he's just like, I'm cutting my losses and just going to leave it this way for a while. So I think, I think like kind of how Cody was saying, he wasn't, he didn't really know he had a stricture because it just was like, maybe this is what my new normal is kind of thing. I think if you don't fully know what nor you know, quote normal is after the surgery, it makes it a little bit easier to deal with um, it not being normal, so to speak. Yeah. You know, yeah, nothing to base it off of. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't even remember what it felt like to pee before, you know, like the, the physical feeling of it, of it actually exiting your body, like what that refreshing feeling felt like, you know, I don't know what that feels like. And I <laughs> yeah. can't wait to, I, honestly, I cannot wait to feel like my bladder is empty and I can do that on my own, <laughs> you know? It's the little things. I feel like, I feel like even that takes a long time though, because I still don't feel that like refreshing feeling i feel like i i approach the toilet with anxiety mm. now <laughs> i'm like all right i think is my stream gonna be the same as it was last time because i'm a little nervous because i don't want to go through that shit again <laughs> but you aren't you also still keeping an eye on things to make sure they're okay aren't you still in that place yeah, of, yeah so so you're i think the anxiety makes sense though right like yeah and yeah. especially like as i'm approaching getting implants and i'm when i was talking to chen it was kind of funny because like he asked me uh if i was peeing okay uh if uh or, or like all that like basically had me describe him like what was going on because i am kind of under that radar of getting you know a reoccurrence and then i'm running through all the questions in my mind that he kept asking me so now every time i pee <laughs> i just hear his like voice in my head <laughs> and i'm just yeah. like oh god <laughs> yeah you get that you're like overly thinking like it was slightly less than last time like i started having becky just look at my yeah. screen i'm like is this less she's like it sounds yeah. the same I was like, <laughs> what i started doing that was really helpful was two two things i literally kept a mini notebook next to the toilet and so every time i peed i would write down what time it was how many seconds it took to to finish and what it felt like and so Blair had been telling me to do this for like a month and I was like, no, because I don't, if I do that, I'm going to do be too hyper-focused on what I'm writing. I'm going to be too focused on last time I pee, it, it hurts. So what does that mean for next time? And so it finally got to a point where I was like, all right, let me just try. So I did that. And that was really helpful because within about four days, I realized that I obviously had a structure. Um, so between doing that and actually just taking, like I would try to take a video at least once a day of my stream coming out That's just awesome. to see, does it look you know, is it looking any weaker or whatever? And 
doing those two things, I found, like I said, you know, within a couple of days, I was like, yep, I definitely have a stricture or something's definitely wrong. And it was a quick, you know, it was a quick turnaround. I sent Dr. Chen the information and he said, you know, come see me. And I think it was two days I had to wait. I went and saw him and, you know, we pretty much had a plan moving forward right away, which was really, really nice. Um, and that was once he moved to his own practice. So he, you know, was really on top of just getting back to, to me right away as, you know, as quickly as he could and getting me in there because, you know, the pain is <laughs> not the easiest thing to deal with. Um, but yeah, um, let's, let's talk more. No, about no, this is just great to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, very reassuring in a weird yeah. way that like, you're not alone. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a it's a good you're not right. alone reminder. I right. think. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> um, so before we jump to general questions, just as far as overall, what I, I I'd like I like to know what what do you feel were like your coping mechanisms, whether for the emotional pain or the physical pain, and not necessarily fallow any surgery or just you know throughout transitioning. Yeah. That's, that's a really good question. Um, food, uh, for sure. My weight has fluctuated, like, after every surgery. I mean, I feel like right now, like, my face looks a little swollen. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's just like, you know, fuck. That, yeah, it's life. So I feel like food, <laughs> sleeping, uh, mm. and I think I probably abused my Norco a little bit. Uh, okay. I couldn't sleep. I mean, I, I definitely kept an eye on it. Um, it was more like in earlier, earlier stages where I like didn't feel pain, but I couldn't fall asleep. Yes. Um, but I would say for sure, uh, eating, uh, cause that was just a very immediate kind of gratification. Um, totally. Which unfortunately, especially cause you can't really move. Like it's like the one thing you can look forward to, especially in the hospital, <laughs> because the hospital I went to had fucking awesome chicken tenders and I knew everyone <laughs> there. So it always gave me extra, extra, <laughs> like, extra, like, you know, portions love it <sighs> yeah um so I, yeah i think for me like i my family i'm irish uh and so like i have a lot of alcohol abuse like in my direct family and extended mm. family so i'm very careful about my drinking um and i don't i have asthma like i don't smoke um but uh so i think food like food is probably the huge thing for me um and it sucks because like right before stage one i was like in the best shape of my life i uh yeah I got, I was, you know, working with a trainer. I was going to the gym like five times a week. Um, I mean, it was, you know, I went, I heard from my buddy Renzo. I don't know if you guys know Renzo Green. He yeah. uh, had Ballo Chen uh, summer of, summer before I did. Um, and he was like, he's like, Tristan, if there's one thing I can tell you, uh, like get in the best shape of your life because you're going to need it. Um, yeah. So I was, and that's, that's what's so sad. It's like, I was just in such great shape. And then, uh, you know, you have one surgery and then the next and the next and the next. So I try to get in shape and then I just have another surgery. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm definitely gonna use this like, next six months to get back in shape, but like, you know, you really, really, for me, I didn't have a lot to look forward to. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to have like great friends and a, you know, wonderful girlfriend, but in regards to like, you know, I isolated a lot, um, mm-hmm. and I just pretty much ate, 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 ate my feelings and I'm, I still do. So, um, yeah, so that's been like, a huge I, thing I get me. that. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. And it's so easy to um, do, especially because people like yeah. sorry for you. They're like, you know, like the one thing you can do is just like go out to eat with your friends, right? Doing something right. sedentary, like, and it sucks too because that's just like totally like, like I'm very attracted, obviously, to my fiance, and like I want to be in good shape for her, and so mm-hmm. I feel bad about that. And I look in a mirror, and it's like, I, like, like my my, uh, I I don't have like 
big hips to start with because I swam a lot growing up. So I, I was lucky I had like bare shoulders. But like you can see like my hips are coming a little bit, which makes me feel obviously super dysphoric. Of course. Uh, so it's just like this horrible like like downhill spiral kind of thing. So di- what else is there anything else that you have done that helps you alleviate some of that dysphoria or whatever when you're feeling this way? Like is there anything besides food? Is there any, Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think like having things to look forward to is huge. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm a total dork and I love comic books and I love, uh, like movies. I, like I, every year I try to see all the best picture nominations. So, oh, I, always so cute. See, I know. Yeah. Like I might, like one of my life goals <laughs> is to watch every film that's ever been nominated for best picture. So oh I have all these surgeries in the middle of this winter. And so I see pretty much a best picture nom every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, you know, I, I love collecting them. I don't know if you guys know those pop Funko toys. They're like, uh, I love them. <laughs> I was just looking at the new one. Oh. There was one I was just looking at. I don't even know what it was, but oh my God, I, have the, I have the original Tupac one up on my uh, shelf. It's like the original one that they made that you can't find anywhere. I'm a, I love Tupac, so it's. I'll send you a picture later. Oh, it's like do. high cool. up on the top shelf where, like, from the cats because they love to take my stuff. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I'll show it to you later. That is, awesome. but yeah, so. So yeah. what about what about the toys? So I think that like just like like buying little things for yourself, like the sweet toys, mm-hmm. or uh, which of course adds to it if you're like, you know. Fortunately, I work from home, so like I'm not like taking time off and stuff other than from the initial surgery. We're like spending money you don't really have on stuff that's like not helping you, but it like it helps. I mean, it helps. You know, like oh, I, I love like this little these little things I'm getting in the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like overall, just having things to look forward to, like having small goals for yourself. Like I, I'm a I'm a little over I do it a little too much but i have like to-do lists for myself so it's like today no that's good like you know this is something that i would need to accomplish today so i can i feel like i there's a reason to get out of bed in the morning um, yeah and then you know so, at some point during the week having something to look yeah. forward to that's the point um, i'm at yeah and just knowing and just knowing like you know what you're gonna have some maladaptive coping mechanisms it's pretty much inevitable all of your totally coping mechanisms are being taken away from you so you're gonna you're gonna do something whether you're gonna drink too much yeah. or smoke too much or eat too much or whatever like you're gonna do something <laughs> and that's okay you're trying to get through um just, it's a process right jesus i just cannot wait to lose this weight like i'm just i want to go to the gym so fucking bad i, I, I literally mm. haven't been able to go to the gym regularly for uh, a year and a half so yeah just sucks. Yeah. But. I know. I, I worked out, I think, for four days in December. That was like, I, I had like four days of, um, after I hit my like six week recovery, <laughs> I had like four days and then I had surgery again. <laughs> so oh, I literally. the worst. Oh. Ju- just because I have not been able to work out, I was like, I'm just going to work out because like, I might as fucking well at this point. You know? Yeah. You have surgery anyway. I mean, <laughs> right. That's how I was. So it was, it was like, just like three months between each surgery and I was just like, I'm yeah. literally just getting a little bit better just to right right so funny <laughs> it's terrible it's just like god damn it like ah, it's okay but like you know like i'll know unless my penis swells up again i'll have six months to like get my ass in shape and then after yeah. that i mean the scroll implants are not a big thing like a couple weeks you're set so then you know it's like all right i'm not taking another three six months off i'm just taking like a month six weeks right and then i can you know continue yeah, but that's totally. the hardest thing. Because I just growing up, I was like a pretty competitive swimmer and like you know working out like three hours a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 
especially, you know, having all this, these beautiful things that my insurance has paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for. And it's just yeah. like, I feel like I'm back to where I was before, before I transitioned where I felt like I was in like a, a skin suit and I didn't give a shit yeah. about myself. And it just, it's, it sucks. I mean, it's, I think there's a lot of dysphoria that people don't think about that actually comes post-op. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, depression I think... in general, like it's just, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. It, that's really important. It's like, yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. And just be prepared for it. Like I remember like other guys talking about it. So like when I experienced it, I was like, all right. Yeah. I had a feeling definitely. that was going to happen. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, I can't wait to have a penis. And then you're like laying yeah. in bed and you're like, Oh my God, what have I done? You know, right, just right. Knowing that you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're not grateful, it doesn't mean that you didn't want it, but it's gonna right. it's gonna suck for a while, and that's okay. Yeah, it's not yeah. an overnight like Cody and I talked about in our, another episode. Like, it's not an overnight success surgery. You don't you don't wake up and everything's like perfect. It's not top surgery. You know? it's, no, there's no immediate gratification. No. There's none yeah. of that, and you just yeah. have to know that. Yeah, yeah, it's just a long process, and it and it takes a village. Like, yes. you need to have your friends, your family your whomever yeah. co-workers like neighbors like whoever yeah. you can get in your corner to help you out because <laughs> i swear to god you need it you fucking need it yeah or like other trans guys mm-hmm. you know in the area or whomever like your doctors like use whatever resources you can because you're gonna need a lot of help totally yeah no i'm glad i'm glad you said that too um so go, branching off that can you think of a time during the transition, your happiest moment and your hardest moment. Those are good questions. Um, Doesn't have to, and and if it's not, if you have one for surgery and then not surgery related, if you want to share both. Sure, yeah. So I think like the happiest point, as I think a lot for a lot of folks, a lot of trans folks who go trans guys, trans people who go through top surgery, like seeing your chest in the mirror, you're like, holy shit, this is Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Finder, no more misgendering, like that is amazing. Um, that was definitely a high for me. Um, I think non-gender, uh, non-surgery high, um, those first, those, those first signs of when you're on T, like when your voice starts cracking, Mm -hmm. when you have a little abs apple and your little guy starts growing, like (laughs) that, that is awesome because you're like, oh my God, this is beginning. Um. Love it. <laughs> and then low, I think, would be um, just maybe how – and this is like a plus, like positive and a negative. In, in, in retrospect, like it's a good thing. But when you start injecting and you're like, okay, okay. And then you're like doing it for months and people are like, I don't see a difference. Because uh, mm. it really <laughs> – I mean like I had like a nice little chin strap probably until like a year ago. That's when like I started being able to grow this and – you know, so you're saying up until three years on hormones, you could barely grow any facial hair. Yeah, I had a real nice neck beard. That's, okay. I, I feel like, of course, that's like one of the ways to, to like, like you know, you're like a trans brother. You're like, oh, you got a yes. neck beard. <laughs> like, yeah, you got a neck beard, or you got like little wispy hairs here yep. and here. Yep. Um. So I, I always, always jealous of the guys who got this because they could like it looked decent. I literally <laughs> had like thick hair under my chin, like literally going through here uh-huh oh my god i don't even shave my mustache anymore i just i just uh trim it because if i were to shave yeah. it all at the same time you couldn't see it ever um Love it. so you know you still end up comparing yourself not only against other trans folks but uh cis men 
because uh, you know there's cis guys who are like, oh, I can't grow any facial hair. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so I think you you need to check yourself on what you're expecting. Uh, turning into Captain America, you're like, no, you you look at your genes. You might lose hair. You might not be able to grow facial hair. You're not going to get any taller. Like, you just have to like you have this vision of yourself. You know, all, all the men yeah. in my family are uh, at least six two. So I always oh, like wow. okay. So I'm I'm lucky. Like I'm five nine. Uh, so it's, oh it's good. oh. Yeah. Damn. So, right. So I'm, so I'm like, I'm lucky with that. And that's genius. <laughs> yeah. That, um, yeah. And then I, you know, I was talking to my therapist. I was like, you know what, if I had been born male, I would be at least six feet tall. And they were like, um, I have trans guys in here all the time who are four eleven. You need to shut up. I was going to say, I was dude, like, we're right, five, right. three. <laughs> and that's why I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm checking myself right now. But you know, <laughs> yeah. but then you like, you know, I go no, home, I get it. my brother's super transphobic. Right. And it's just oh. like, if I were born male i would be his height you know what i mean and like it's one of those things where like even if you're given so much even if you like mm-hmm. you have, like nash you have, like this gorgeous beard but it's oh, just like oh but i can't grow it like like thick and long whereas i would be like right. oh, look at that look at, there's a connection here like look at that so and i'm just, sitting here like you're five nine i hate you i'd, I'd kill to be five nine like. right, right. <laughs> so i just feel like it's just like i think that's maybe you can't you. have it all exactly and you know and, and cis man cis man can't either but I think exactly. that's, that's something like with our population that uh, it's just you have it's hard because you're experiencing this delayed puberty. You're experiencing all of these doubts within yourself. You're experiencing mm-hmm. gender dysphoria, whatever other shit you've got dealing on going on. And right. then you also have to make sure that you're not offending other people in your own community <laughs> with your own totally. shit. <laughs> like I'm always totally. checking myself on that. I'm like, even my therapist who's trans, I'm just like, all right, like I need to watch myself, you know? So, right, right. <laughs> It's I just, love that you have a trans therapist, by the way. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. they're amazing. They're they they. I think they. I mean, they need to get their PhD because I think they probably like all of their clients are trans. So like oh, okay. they have this incredibly lo- like I've seen them since I started testosterone. So I'm just like Kelly, you really need to just do some long term studies. They're like, I don't yeah. need to. That's my job. Like <laughs> I'm just like now because of you, I'm like look out for those cystoscopies. Look out for you know like. They're building this incredible knowledge base. So yeah, but I totally. think it's hard. I mean, we have a bunch of people who are going through some really fucking intense stuff, and then they're trying not to offend themselves or each other. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. So, God, thank God. Um, yeah. So I've been really lucky. I am very close to my dad and my stepmom. Um, they have been an amazing support system ever since I before I um right before I moved to Chicago. Um, like six months before that, I was in the mental hospital because I tried to kill myself, which I'm sure is an unfortunately very common story for our uh, population. And pretty much after after I left the hospital, that's when I realized I was trans. Um, I think it was just kind of bubbling up, and I had some other things going on in my life at that same time. I had a breakup, and um, things were coming to a head with my biological mother, um, whom I haven't talked to in like four and a half years, five years. Um, she has like a she's had like a lot of trauma in her history and um, definitely came out in my relationship with her growing up. It was just a very dysfunctional relationship and it was, it wasn't something that um, I, it's not something that she, she herself I think is really working on, or even if she was, I don't know if it's something that, um, that would allow us to have a healthy relationship. Um, so I think that was really hard. Um, I, 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 I'm very family oriented and, um, she had said a, a number of transphobic things and, um, 
I think the the nail on the coffin was she I won some like award when I was in high school uh, for women in sports, and so she mailed me a bunch of those shirts along with a a book for trans women about how to be. Women. Oh wow! And at oh first I was God. like, maybe they're like maybe like she's trying to connect. Right. She didn't find one about trans right. men, and I was like, and then I heard from other friends that she still refers to me as Katie with shadow oh. nouns. So I was like. Yeah, now, still now. I'm still confused, okay. apparently. I was like, I have more chest hair than my biological <laughs> So I was like, all right, this this is just really fucked up. Um, but from that, I became really, really close with my my dad, whom I had been um, kind of on the outs with for a while because of issues with my biological mother um, kind of dividing, kind of pulling me away. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know... I, once I was away from that, I became very, very close with my dad and um, and his wife, my stepmom, and she's like my mom now. Um, she's amazing. Um, so really, since since the beginning, when I told them I was trans, they've been incredibly supportive, very loving, um, very, very thankful for that. And then I then that whole my dad's whole side of the family, I'm very close with, um, and that's actually who I stayed with when I was in San Francisco. I have uh, aunt who has a house like just right outside of San Francisco, so I just stayed with them for a month. Um, so that's been amazing. I mean, just from this, like I, my family, ironically, I've just gained a lot of family. Um, but I think the thing that's been hardest is my relationship with my brother, my biological brother. Um, he and I were really close when we were younger. And then when we were in college, high, through high school and college, we were pretty close. And then um, once I stopped talking to my mother, I think that that was really hard for him. And, and then on top of that, me transitioning. Um, so since then we've not been close and that's been really hard. Um, he's also become very conservative, um, and his beliefs reflect that, um, socially. And that's also really hard. Cause not, not, I'm not only trans, I'm not, um, I'm a social worker. I mean, like my life is, you know, I try to do my best to like check my privilege and like work on any kind of social justice issues that are going on. So that's been really hard, especially since, you know, I'm 30 years old, he's 28. You know, there's going to be kids in the future. You know, I want, I don't want to be the uncle that he's calling an aunt or that I'm not going to see his kids or he's not going to see mine. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping, hoping that in the future that we can get close. And I think we can. I think that's, that's just really hard when you have your, your parents, but you know, the person that that's your age, that, right. that's growing with you, that you don't have that right. connection. And that's something that I really struggle with. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm not feeling comfortable. Right. Um, you have to, with our you have to care about yourself enough and respect yourself enough to not put yourself in those situations. So I totally understand exactly. that. Um, I had to do some similar things, like pull myself away from people for a while too. Like it's, I think family ha can have a hard time with things, but it seems like you... Yeah. Not that you're okay with it, of course, but it seems like you can at least understand that this is not you or it's your fault or any of that. Because <laughs> I think oftentimes, right. you know, just being trans, we're already, we already feel like targets or, you know, we already feel like the victim sometimes. Um, so it's good that you don't put yourself in that place with him, I think. You know, it, that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And I think it's hard, too, because, like, you know... Even still, like, I, I always think, like, what what he, what my brother's thinking or what my mother's thinking. And, like, my therapist is like, they're never going to see you as who you are. And as and, it, it, and if you accept that, then you can let it go, especially because I have so many other people in my life that 
do love me as me and and even like they're like oh yeah like this right. makes sense like friends who knew me before they're like yeah yes so just kind of trying to focus on those people in your life and you know, a lot of folks i know that you know don't even have family members that they're close to and they create their own family which i think is really awesome and um i'm lucky to have my dad and my stepmom um but you know it's it's still hard it's still hard and it's and it's hard not to think about what your naysayers are thinking about you. absolutely i i get that <laughs> for sure <laughs> um so one of the other things i wanted to ask you um you sort of answered but is there has there been a time when you have felt the most empowered by anything you've done um in the last four years it, you know whether it's making a decision like to you know step away from your mom or something like that is there anything that stands out to you yeah i mean i think definitely stepping away from my mom it's, it's it was really hard and continues to be very hard but i know that's ultimately like the healthiest thing no i i never <clears throat> felt as i'm sure maybe a lot of us do I, I never felt like i was a part of the queer community when i was like a, a lesbian like Mm. I always dated straight girls and lesbians never really liked me very much. Like I just didn't fit in. And I think they could feel that they're like, you're not really one of us. So I never really felt like I was a part of a community until I obviously transitioned. And it's really nice to get that brotherhood. Um, and yeah, I just did like, cause, and also cause I'm, I'm, I'm very privileged. Like I'm upper middle class. I'm white. I pass. I have insurance that's allowed me to have these surgeries. I have a partner who's supportive. I have family that's supportive. I mean, like I have, I'm in a very good situation and uh, I think the least that I can do is like be a good role model for those who, who right. are working to get that and then who are, you know, early in their transition and, and don't mm -hmm. have a lot of information. Um, you know, when I first started out, like other than my, even though we had, again, had a very unhealthy relationship, my ex taught me so much about all these resources. Um, and I think a lot of the big stars now, like Aiden Rawling and, um, uh, Skylar Kurgil and, and, and these guys that, uh, started out just making videos on YouTube. I mean, that's, that's how I learned about all this. I was just looking on YouTube and what, learning how to take a shot, learning what, what happens, you know, looking at how they looked month, 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 month after month, and then year after year. And, you know, being able to, to be a part of that, um, you know, that my, my long-term goal is definitely to, uh, to do more private practice with, with trans folks. Um, and some kind of organization like where my therapist is just knowing that like with with my with the education that i have that i'm like doing something with it which has been hard because the job that i have right now it's been great because i can work from home but i'm not doing anything really to help a lot of people so you're just kind of as i'm sure you guys can understand like going to these surgeries you're in certain ways your life is just on hold um so like i just i have like i just i'm like what what do like once I'm done with this, I'm like, I, I want to actually do something that I'm right. <laughs> right. I have like strong feelings for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> that's, that's just, this podcast is for me right now. <laughs> right. This that's, is my, yeah, that's what I was thinking. yeah, this is my, this is my everyday. Like I have something to look forward to doing kind of thing, you know, whether it's editing or yeah, talking with Cody about ideas <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, that's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. This is so awesome that you guys are doing that. And please know, like, I'm always happy to, uh, uh, yeah, this, this should have been a lot easier if I hadn't gotten sick. <laughs> had a missing uh, cats who need to be fed. But, uh, you know, if you guys ever need someone to, to help you out or totally. to be interviewed, you know, totally. I've, I'm very verbose. So yeah. I'm happy to help. No, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I, 
I want to make sure you got enough. I, I want to make sure you felt like you were able to share. I, yeah. No, I, de- I definitely, I feel like I've done a lot of talk. Okay, sure. good, good, good. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been super insightful. I love it. Um, so before I ask you the fun fact, the only other one, if, do you have, if you had, if you had an audience of young trans people or trans men, if that's easier, cause you identify as trans men, um, what would be like the message that you want to give them or what would be something, whatever, a piece of advice or something that you just felt, I wish that everyone could know this. Um, that, that we are the fastest moving civil rights group ever. Um, that, I mean, seriously, I think that's what they're saying, right? Um, that things have changed so much and I've only been doing this for like four and a half years. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I first started on T you had to be in therapy for like a year to get through testosterone and I had to pay, you know, I I couldn't even think about getting bottom surgery. I mean, I had to pay for top surgery and then try to see if I can get my OB-GYN to say I have PCOS to get that out. Mm -hmm. I mean, now, you know, if, if you have access to good insurance, I mean, you can get any kind of surgery that you want or, you know, if you don't want surgery, that's fine, but you can get the hormones that you need or whatever. Um, and just knowing that like, as, as tried as it might sound like things are, are getting better. Um, I think that, um, there are, they're just going to find themselves with a lot of other people that look and identify as they do. Um, and that there are pretty easily accessible resources on the internet for information. Um, we just need more resources like in person, obviously in certain parts of the country. But I think even the fact that like Dr. Crane moved down his practice down to Texas. Um, I mean, that's, that's saying a lot right there. And there are guys from all over the country who don't even really need to move to get top surgery now. Whereas, you know, five or 10 years ago, yet there's like three places in the country you could really get good top surgery. So, um, you know, it's just, and it's, it's, it's truly incredible. Like I think, you know, in 20 years, uh, you're not really going to see a whole lot of guys walking around with two long scars underneath their nipples. I mean, it's right. probably going to be like, you know, testosterone blockers and keyhole surgery. Right. And who knows? Maybe like, you know, before we all die, you know, we'll be able to have some kind of stem cells in our penis to have an actual erection. I yeah. Mean, you, just, you just don't know. You don't know. I mean, no, it's, it's true. It's truly incredible. Mm-hmm. Like on the medical side of things, there's so much that, that's going on. Yeah. So many things are happening so quickly. I think the thing that's missing though is, and which is happening now again, that we're not really uh, going to be able to benefit from, but like it's long-term studies mm-hmm. that are happening that, that, that are happening now. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to come out with all these results of phalloplasties and bottom surgery and like depression and anxiety and you know, all this stuff that they're currently researching now. <laughs> totally. So Tristan, your fun fact. Share a fun fact with us. There's something that most people wouldn't know about you. Oh, the fun fact. <laughs> um, this is just like my uh, my go-to fun fact. Yeah. It's pretty cool. My great uncle wrote the song Walking in a Winter Wonderland. Wow. I love that fun fact. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is neat. It's cool. I, I mean, I don't see any of the money, but my dad does. <laughs> so. <laughs> does he really? Oh yeah, he gets he gets a big roll to check. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? No. That's so cool. Yeah, and it's cool because it's not denominational too. It's very smart. It's just like a winter song. Right. It's just a season. It's just right? a song about a season. Right. 
play at all. You should, they should be playing it much more. In, yeah. in my personal opinion, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play. I'll do a 24 hour uh, one walking into winter Wonderland for your dad to get a bigger check this year. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Tell him I want to see I want to see a cut of that at least five dollars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one of his friends. This was back when Napster existed. Mm-hmm. One of his friends downloaded like 110 versions on Napster <laughs> and then gave it to him as a disc. He's like, look at all these free songs I just like stole from you. Here you go. That's that's amazing, and that's probably the funniest gift I've ever heard of. I love it. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. I think so. Okay, cool. Um, well, do you have anything else that you want to share? No, I just again, I just appreciate everything that y'all are doing. This is oh awesome. stop. No, seriously, this is fantastic stuff. I mean, good. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I think I just. It get is, it out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And again, and, and, and I know that we talked a lot about phalloplasties, but like there's so much information on top surgery. Um, mm-hmm. And I now that that insurance, a lot of insurance is covering bottom surgeries. I think it's so important that more people are talking about meta and fallow. Like I think that whether or not you want it is fine, but just because there's just not, I mean, again, there's more, but post-op stage one and stage two complications, you're not really seeing that much stuff. So totally. this is, this is awesome that you guys are doing this. Yeah. Cool. We want to share as many people's story as possible because you know, the point is there are so many of us, <laughs> everybody's really experience are. is different, but you can connect with at least one or two people on this having similar experience, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. Cool. I think, I think we're, we're good here then. That sounds good. Well, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys soon. Um, Definitely. It's, it's wonderful to hear your voices, but thank you. Yes. Cody, and thank you, Nash. It's, you guys are amazing. You are. Keep me updated if you need any help. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Transitional Wisdom Podcast. If you feel like you would like to share your story or share a topic that you would like to hear about, feel free to email us at nash at transitionalwisdom.org or visit our website and submit your story at www.transitionalwisdom.org. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. And we will see you next time. Oh, no, this